13 days, just in case you were wondering, 13 days until Christmas. It's coming, right? And in 13 days, what uh, we New Testament believers really will do is we will look back. Uh, we're going to be looking back to Jesus, of course, the birth of the Christ child. And during this time, we anticipate it. We're preparing our hearts for it so we won't miss it and all the messages that come with it. But also during this time where we look back, what we have to understand is that what we look back to is what the Old Testament believers looked ahead to, right? Uh, they, they looked ahead to the fulfillment of this promise. They looked ahead to the coming of the Christ child. And that's what this series is all about. We're looking at uh, the birth of the Christ child through the lens of four Old Testament prophets, four sets of eyes to see not just the coming Christ, but what that, what that Christ would bring gifts that he would bring to us, and we're looking at messages of hope, of love, of peace, and today, message of joy, because it is the season for joy, isn't it? If you had a dollar for every time that you heard the word joy this year or its twin brother Mary on all of the Christmas cards, in the carols, in the songs, on the wrapping paper, in the decor, on the billboards and gifts and on and on. If you had a dollar for every time you, you heard it, you would probably have a fully funded Christmas present fund, not just for this year, right, but probably for the next year and maybe even the next year after that. That's what this season, and that's what this time of year, if you're listening to your Christmas songs on the radio, if you've got holiday parties and stuff, joy, merry Christmas. It's the time to have yourself a merry little Christmas, a, a happy holidays, right? And I don't think anyone markets this idea of joy better than Hallmark and the Hallmark Christmas movie channel. Now, I'm going to ask you to be brave here and be honest. How many of you are those Hallmark Christmas movie lovers, Hallmark Channel lovers. Yeah, okay, we got, <laughs> we got some brave souls. Who For all of you warm, fuzzy sack-wearing, hot cocoa-sipping, Hallmark movie lovers, it's the same thing all the time, isn't it? Like, like, and even if you're not one of those people, you, maybe you have a reason why you're not, because, uh, because you know <laughs> what the story is, right? Now, again, I'm not saying that this is bad, but how does every Hallmark Christmas movie start? It's Christmas time, and there's carols, and there's lights, and there's sights, and there's sounds, and everybody is so filled with joy, except the main character. Because they're bummed, because there's some unfortunate situation, some bad set of circumstances that's just not right, and they won't be joyful, they won't be happy until this circumstance changes, this bad situation turns out right. But the problem is, it's, only, it's impossible. There's no way that this will ever happen, it'll ever work out. You need a Christmas miracle, and Hallmark Magic does just that. It's a Christmas miracle, and, and in the middle of it, everybody's happy and joyful, and it's Christmas, and everybody gets what they want, a happy ending, and it's the same plot every single movie, isn't it? Like, change the title, change the characters, change the setting. It's five minutes in. You know how it's going to end. And yet, we still watch it. Again and again, year after year, we keep watching it. Why? Because we love this idea of joy. We love this idea of being happy, being filled up with joy. And what this, uh, this new company, Hallmark, what they advertise so well reminds me of an old school theologian named Augustine in the 4th century AD who said it this way, Every man whatsoever his condition 
desires to be happy. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what your state of life is right now, where you're at. Everyone desires to be happy. Would you say that's true for you? So far, I haven't had anyone disagree with me on this. I bet that if I looked at your lists, if I looked at your Christmas lists, if I looked at your bucket lists, if I looked at your New Year's resolutions, your life goals, your dreams, your hopes, your pursuits, your desires, your wants, behind every single one of those would be a desire to be happy. But if you've been at this game of happiness for any sort of time, you probably know that being happy and staying happy, being joyful and staying filled with joy, they don't come together all the time, right? Think back to your Christmas list. And especially if you're a young adult or a teen or younger, uh, think to your Christmas list too. I'm going to ask you, of all the stuff that you asked for, do you remember what you asked for last year? Can you think of everything that you had on your list the year before that? And the year before that? And you start to quickly realize, huh. You know, we spend all this time thinking, especially uh, when in our younger years, right, like, these things will make me happy. If I get this, I'll be so happy. If I get a cell phone, that'll be make my day. If I get all of these things, I'll be so pumped. And how long until you stop playing with that toy? How long until that cell phone or whatever it is just becomes, you know, old and outdated? How long until you forget all of the stuff that you asked for anyways? And it shows you, if we, we can't even remember the list that we wrote down a year ago. It shows you how empty all of those things really are, right? Like in a time of year when we're all chasing happiness, where everyone, everything, every message, every movie is telling us to be filled with joy, it's Christmas, be happy. Sometimes it feels like this time of year we're chasing after the wind. I got it. Never mind. I don't. That's why I'm really glad you're here today. Because the joy that God offers you, it's real. It is so much better than some fake, fleeting, phony, hallmark feeling. But it is a, a joy that goes deeper than lists. It goes deeper than gifts. The joy that Zephaniah gives to you, it is, it is so constant that it can be with you not only in the good times, but also the bad times. That you can rejoice not just in the ups in life when things are good, but even in the down times of life when things are rough. You can still be joyful, filled up with joy, it is a joy that surpasses your situations. It, it is a joy that doesn't just come home for the holidays. It is a joy that stays with you all year, every year. It's a joy that, that Zephaniah is going to teach to us. And as I said his name, I wonder, as we read his words earlier too, if there's some of you thinking, I don't know a thing about Zephaniah. I didn't even know there was a guy named Zephaniah in the Bible. It sounds like a Bible character, right? If you can't think of two factoids about the person or book in Zephaniah, you are in great company with all of those people around you. <laughs> you are not alone. Do not feel bad at all. Zephaniah is this prophet and this short little book tucked into the back of our Old Testaments, just three chapters long, but it is packed with a powerful message. 
The day of the Lord is coming. Judgment. And not exactly a joyful message for what we're talking about, but then again, Zephaniah didn't live in a joyful time in Israel's history. He lived at a very dark time in Israel's history. He lived at a very rough time in Israel's history. Zephaniah lived during a time where Israel had all but ignored God's messages of reform and repentance, and God finally said, enough. There's rampant idolatry. There's injustice and oppression from the top down all over the place. And there's a complete blatant disregard for my prophets and for my word. Enough. I'm going to punish. And it's going to be a punishment like you've never felt before. And God's tool for this punishment was the powerhouse nation of the old days, the Babylonians. They were going to come in and Zephaniah, you read the first, the majority of those chapter 1, chapter 2, even up to chapter 3, it's bad. Like he tells the Israelites, it's not going to be pleasant. He prophesies a desolate nation, barren cities, doom and gloom, and, and as bad as it gets, suddenly, like, once you get to these verses, it's like everything changes. And the whole tone of the book just completely turns and does a, an about-face of 180 degrees, and you get Zephaniah saying something like this. Sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. And any, anybody listening to Zephaniah, any, anybody reading his book would just say, that's different. <laughs> like, doom, gloom, destruction, fire, brimstone, sing. <laughs> rejoice. It kind of seems to, to come out of nowhere, and, and it makes you think, if, if you're putting yourself in their sandals, how in the world could you sing? Zephaniah, you just told us that God has our days numbered, that the, the judgment is on the horizon. How are we supposed to be glad? How are we supposed to be filled with joy when this is what's coming? And I wonder if that isn't how some of you guys feel right now. This is a season for joy. But we're so good at faking it. I know I'm supposed to be filled with joy, but you ever turn on the news? You ever scroll through social media and you see everybody just losing their minds and everyone is at each other's throats and they hold this opinion, so they're the enemy, but they hold that opinion and they're the enemy and we're just going to go at each other's throats and civility and it's all out the window and it's just so much chaos and then there's so much fear and so... How can I be joyful when the world is losing its mind? How am I supposed to be happy? Or maybe it's a little closer to home for you. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, I'd love to be filled with joy, but my kids are just driving me nuts right now, and I'm exhausted with with work and then school and chaperoning them to here, there, and everywhere, and all the extra errands that come at this time of year, and I'm faking the best smile right now to avoid the reality that we just had a fight and an argument on our way here right in the van just before we walked into church, but hey, welcome, everything's fine. How am I supposed to be filled with joy? How am I supposed to be joyful when I feel empty? I'm exhausted. I'm spent up. I'm used up. 
I'm supposed to be filled with joy when I have these family members, that one or two people that just seem to add so much drama, unnecessary drama at a time like this. Like, don't you wish you could sometimes just like punch through the email screen and or like, or like reach through the cell phone to like shake what seems to make sense to you into that person to just make everything better? Or maybe it's just the opposite. Maybe it's, it's not a family member that you wish would be different. It's a, it's a family member you wish you could be with. But this is the year that they go with the ex-wife, with your ex-husband. This is the year where they're, they're so far away and you, you want to spend time with them, but you, you can't. Maybe because of distance. Maybe because of death. You want to be with them. How am I supposed to be so filled with joy and work and and gift giving? Do I even have enough gifts? Do I have enough money to get all the gifts? And do I? Yeah, it's a season for joy, and we're 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 chasing after it. But man, as Pastor Italiano alluded alluded to in the the Christmas video we saw at the beginning of the service, everyone just seems to be on this like knife's edge. And if if that's where you're at. If the reality of your heart when you walked in here was not something that, that would be described as joy, if the last 24, 48 hours of your life, you, you're just looking at your circumstances, your hardships, and like that main character in a Hallmark movie, you can't be happy unless this changes. It's a sign that you're missing the whole message of Christmas. And you're really missing the joy of that Christmas message. It's a sign that what you're doing is you're looking to circumstances to fill you up with joy. But that won't happen. It will for a moment, but but you'll be only as joyful and joy-filled as your circumstances. So when things are good, great. When things are bad, what happens? You're miserable. You're unpleasant. You're irritable. You're the person that nobody wants to be around until your circumstances change. And then, oh, and you're on this emotional roller coaster ride. And that's, that's Hallmark Joy. Chasing after a happy ending that never comes. But the joy that, that Zephaniah talks about is a joy that transcends. It goes beyond your circumstances. Because think about it. He's talking to Israelites in their darkest days. There is doom, there is gloom on the horizon. They're going to lose their homes. The promised land that God said, I'm going to give you this land, he's saying, I'm going to take it back. And some of you are going to lose your families. And all of you are going to lose your entire way of life. And yet he says, sing and be glad and rejoice. How, How does he have the gall to do that. How in the world can he say that? Well, it's all about what he says next. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He's turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, right? A mighty one who will save. Like he, he's essentially saying God is not giving up on you. 
Like he, he looked on the horizon and prophesied a reality of doom and gloom for the Israelites. Yes, make no mistake, the circumstances are going to be horrible. They're going to be bad. It's going to be terrible. But then it's like he sees another mountain on the further distant horizon, another reality that says, and everything's going to be okay. That as bad as these circumstances are, as rebellious and as faithless as you have been, the Lord is faithful, and he's going to make good on his promise. The promise he made all the way back at the beginning to what? To send a son, a savior, to take away your punishment. And what they looked ahead to is what we look back at and celebrate as Christmas. The birth of the Christ child Emmanuel, God with us, right? God in your midst. And did you notice in verse 17 there how Zephaniah described that Christ child? A mighty one who will save. It makes you think of a, maybe like a Navy SEAL today or like a Marine just decked out. Um, Kind of an odd illustration for a little, little baby. But it's a perfect illustration for that Christ child, right? Because he wasn't just a, oh, cute little baby in a manger. He was a mighty warrior. Sent from heaven to earth to come to save you, to rescue you, not from your circumstances, not from your situations, but from the bigger picture. Your greatest enemies of sin and death and the devil. And sometimes we, you ever, you ever think about those? Like, you ever think about if, if, if Jesus never came, you ever think if, if any one of those enemies was around, how hopeless it would be for you? Sin, death, and the devil. Take sin, for instance. Sin, this thing that totally separates you from God. It, it cuts you off from him, and, and worse than that, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't lift a finger to save, to rescue yourself. Like, you can't stand in front of God one day and say, well, God, I tried my best. I did really good, I I studied your word, and I went to church, and at least I didn't live like those people. He's going to say, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm holy, and my holiness demands absolute perfection, and and you're not. and, And that's the hopeless situation that we're in until along comes Jesus, who says, God, don't punish them, punish me. God, don't, don't take their sins on themselves. Remove their sin, put it on me. Remove my holiness, put it on them. And what did he say on the cross? That's right. It is finished. That sin is destroyed. That you and God have nothing separating you. And if that punishment is removed from you, you see the bigger picture. Yeah, Babylon's coming. But if I'm with God, I can rejoice. Think of that that second enemy, death. We talked about it about a month or so ago here. Death, how this this thing that is inescapable, it's coming. And no matter how long we try to prolong our days of life here on this world, you know it's in vain. It's going to come. You're only ever a moment away from death. And yet Jesus came and what? He, He didn't just die. He rose. He went into the tomb, into the grave, and came out a champion on the other side. Not just as a cool miracle that we celebrate at Easter once a year and say, wow, he rose, ta-da, what a great miracle. It was his way to say, it's done. I own death. There is no more sting. 
And just as I rose, that's what you're going to get too. Yes, it's going to come. Yes, it's going to be unfortunate. But because of Jesus, I mean, imagine yourself. Death is going to come. But Jesus came to take death away. I, okay, I don't have to be afraid. I can rejoice. I can be glad. Because my life goes on with God. I think of that third enemy, though. The devil. There is no more formidable foe than a fallen angel an immortal being with legions of other demons at his disposal. And you think about it, he has been observing people for thousands of years. He has been causing billions and billions of people to fall away from God, to fall into sin. There is nothing he hasn't seen. He knows you. He knows your personality. He knows how to tempt you. He knows what gets you. And his eyes, sights, his, his eyes focused on you. He's coming for you. But then you think, wait a second, Jesus came, Christ child, the mighty warrior, to save me, to what? He didn't just come to destroy the devil's worth, he came to crush the serpent's head. Satan's, he has made Satan no more dangerous than just an angry dog on a leash. And if you don't have to fear and be afraid of Satan, rejoice, sing, shout aloud, and be glad. I don't know what, what's going on in your life right now that's robbing you of your joy. Sometimes we get so caught up in those circumstances, and, and it's always good to take a step back and listen to an Old Testament prophet who's in the midst of even worse stuff than you and I will ever face, and he says, and if that's what's on the horizon, if that's our reality, are you going to let what's going on in your life rob you of that joy? Because those things can't touch what your Savior has done. Your work circumstances, your relationship circumstances, your life Yeah, it, it's unfortunate. It's inconvenient. But nothing can change what God has done for you through the Christ child. So rejoice. You have nothing to be afraid of. And as if that wasn't enough to get us to rejoice, there's like this cherry on the top that Zephaniah says to his people to, to really get them to rejoice and to us as well. It's right at the very end of verse 17. He said, He, God, will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Now, sometimes you can read that and not let it sink in. God will delight in you. God is rejoicing in you with singing. Like he's singing a song about you. You're at the center of his heart. Like, does, do you get what that does to you? Like it makes me think of, um, <laughs> makes me think of this relationship that, that parents or grandparents have with a, with a little child, right? Like my kids, they'll, they'll come home from school with some work, with some stuff that they've done at school, uh, or, or maybe they'll go upstairs to, to their room, build this crazy Lego creation, come down, and I'm supposed to look at what in the world is singing. Or then, like, my other kid will just draw some Picasso-like thing on a sketch pad, and what do they always do, right? They come to you and say, Daddy, 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 Mommy, 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 look, look, Grandma, Grandpa, look at this. And, and what do they want? 
Do they want you to evaluate it and say, hmm, oh, well, I don't know. They, all they want is your approval. All they want is for you to say, wow, that's so great. All they want is you to rejoice over them. And the more genuine your joy, the more genuine, let's put that on the fridge, bud. Let's, let, let, wow, let's, let's show everyone else this thing. The more genuine that is, the more a child is filled up, the more approval, the more love, the more joy that they see their parents having, it fills them up even more. That's the picture that Zephaniah gives us. Like you have a father right now in heaven, the God of the universe, who is delighted in you. How can that not fill you up with joy? And more than that, what if, what if throughout the midst of the mess and the garbage and the stuff going on in your life, what if we focused on that? How much brighter would your light be? And not just at Christmas time, but ever, all the time. Like, yeah, the, the world is going who knows where, right? And everything's messed up and chaotic, but... I'm not going to let that rob my joy because I've got a God who is rejoicing over me. Why would I let that rob me of my joy? And yeah, maybe I've got some family drama and some relationships and some unfortunate circumstances, but I've also got a God who is approving of me, who is loving me, who is, who is delighting in me. And maybe things are going to get worse before they get better. Maybe they won't even get better. Maybe that's a thought, right? Maybe the circumstances are going to just be terrible. Maybe exams are going to make you really, really nervous. And maybe, you know what, a snowstorm comes in and it just wreaks havoc on all your travel plans this year. And, and maybe a COVID spike happens and we go backwards and we never see the normal that we're looking for again. And maybe just everything gets so much worse and none of it matters. Because you have a God who is filling the halls of heaven with a song about you. Because what Jesus has done for you. That is true joy. That is an untouchable joy that nothing can rob you of. I pray that you focus on it. I pray that you look at the big picture that you remember these words from Zephaniah, that you look at the manger in this way, that, that no matter what's going on, you can say, I'm going to sing, I'm going to be glad, I'm going to rejoice, because God has taken away my punishment. And you have nothing to fear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this time of year comes with so much anticipation and also expectation. And when our expectations aren't met, when circumstances, when inconveniences come into our lives, when drama, when frustration happens, often our joy goes out the door with it. But Lord, thank you so much for showing us through the words of a, of a prophet of old who, who got to see what we can't wait to see the reality of a mighty warrior in the Christ child who came to save us and deliver us from more than our circumstances, more than our inconveniences, but our sin, death, devil, it's all been defeated, Lord. Focus our hearts back on that. that. No matter what's going on, whatever inconveniences there are, help us so we can empathize with one another, 
we, we pray for favorable circumstances, but more than that, Lord, we pray for a joy that supersedes those circumstances so that in the midst of the garbage and the frustration and the mess, that your church, your people, would be so filled up with joy that they would be letting their lights shine so that other people could be drawn to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.